All right. Good morning, City Light. How are we doing? Do I need a handheld? Does it sound staticky out there? You can just bring me a handheld if that's going to go shh. It's like, a, like you're putting a baby to sleep. It's the last thing I want you to do is sleep, all right? I know the temptation's already there. Hey, well, first of all, just welcome. Uh, yesterday, we did 12 hours of prayer and fasting, which was amazing. Praise the Lord. Uh, super thankful for all of you who helped make that happen and who helped serve during that time and who came and participated. Uh, we really want to make that a rhythm of our life, to build a house of prayer and to be doing that together. And so on a normal basis, oh, here we go. All right. On a normal basis, you can join us Thursdays at 6.30. We call it Restore. We come and we pray. We worship. We let the Holy Spirit lead us. And I just encourage you as much as you're able to make that a normal rhythm of your life. So today we finish our 21 days of prayer and fasting in our series. Uh, and today's really about next steps. Today's about next steps. So to, to help you get on board with what I'm going to tell you today, a quick story from my life yesterday. So yesterday I was coaching my kids' basketball team, right? <clears throat> this is one of the things I like to do. I like to coach their teams. And one of my, one of my kids is in third grade. And when you jump to third grade, that's when they start keeping a score, okay? At least, where I, at least where I'm coaching in the league that we're in. So second grade, you give the speech. It's all about having fun. Third grade, it becomes time to win. It's time to win. Time to win the game, okay? Second grade, everybody gets to play. Third grade, we're my best five. I need to put them in. We got to win the game. We got to win the game, okay? So everything changes in third grade. It's real serious, you know? It's like, okay, we're, we're, we're keeping score. They track fouls. They have, a, they have standings online. You can go look at how good, you know, all these things, okay? <clears throat> Parents are yelling from the stands. They're mad at refs. You know, we're in this whole area now. So, And yesterday we had a really tight game. It came down to the very end. It was going back and forth, back and forth. So I was, like, way too stressed for a third-grade basketball game, you know? I was, like, just, I felt, like, so into this game. And at the end, you know, I put, I said, okay, we've played everybody. I'm going to put, here's my best five. We've got to finish the game. We all got to go win this game, right? So they get in there. <clears throat> it comes down to the end. We go up by two. Uh, kid hits two clutch free throws. I'm like, yeah, look at you. And he's excited. The other team comes down, and this kid just shoots a wild shot, and it goes in. So it's a tie ball game. Everybody's, everybody, the whole gym's like, you know, it's a third grade basketball game, right? But there, so we got to win this game. We got to win this game. Uh, so the kid hits the basket, and it's like six seconds left, all right? Or, or no, it's like, like eight seconds left, something like that. Uh, one of my kids comes down. So this is my actual, one of my kids. His name's Josiah. He, because he watches Steph Curry, okay, he tries to step back three for the win, you know? I'm like, what? what? <laughs> He's just trying, like, what? 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 You know, it almost goes in. They get the ball, they run down the court. The guy shoots a shot. Uh, he misses, and there's like just a few seconds left in, in the time. Uh, one of my kids who hasn't made it, not so, not, this is one of the kids on the team, not one of my kids. All right, one of the kids on the team, <clears throat> he just grabs the ball. He hasn't made a shot all game, but there's like four seconds left. And I'm just like, go, you know, just yelling at him, run, you know, but you got to dribble, you know, dribble. So he just starts dribbling down. He's just dribbling as fast as he can dribble, you know, he's trying to get down there. And he gets close enough. He gets sort of within like 10 feet or whatever. And it's like three, two, one, shoot, you know, and he just chucks it up. And it's like slow motion, you know, and you're like watching the ball. Watching the ball. And this kid who hasn't made a shot all game, he banks it in for the win, okay? Yeah! 
I mean, it was like, it was like we just won a championship or something. You know, I jumped out of my, I was like all in this game, right? I jumped out. I ran over and picked the kid up. I think I scared him. I was, I was more excited than he was that we won this game. And everybody was going crazy. It was a lot of fun. But uh, the way I want you to think about the sermon today and your life, okay, in light of this, is, you know, it took a lot of dribbles for him to get to the point where he could shoot the basket, to accomplish the thing that we wanted to accomplish the whole time, which was winning the game. But he had to take, and because he's little with little legs, he probably had to take 20 dribbles just to get there. What I want you to understand about your life, it's really about learning to dribble well. It's really about taking every dribble necessary to get you to where you need to go. Transformation is about learning how to dribble, learning how to take small steps, learning how to keep moving forward, so that you can get to where you want to go, so that you can accomplish the things you want to accomplish, so that you can, at the end of the day, become the kind of man or woman God has called you to be. So it's really that simple, and today I want to teach you how to dribble. I want to help you learn how to make small steps moving forward so you can see real progress in your life. Because you can't shoot a game-winning shot. You can't make big, radical transformations. You can't do the kind of things and change in the kind of ways you'd like to unless you learn how to do these basic things first, unless you learn how to dribble. So the message today in light of that is just called little by little, little by little. How does change and transformation happen? Little by little. How do I shoot a game-winning shot? Dribble by dribble. I got to get there one step at a time, right? The kid couldn't jump from the other side of the court to our side of the court, and he couldn't run with the ball from our side of the court to our side of the court. He had to dribble to get there. And I just want you to have that concept in mind when you think about your life, it's much the same way. To get to where you want to go and to see the change you want to see, you got to learn to dribble. you got to learn to take small steps. you got to take each day at a time, and you got to do it little by little. So in light of that, go ahead and open your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. <clears throat> Let's go. We're going to start in verse 16, same three verses. Verse 16 says, But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And so let's go through our path to freedom one more time, right? We're going through these four steps with an acronym from free. So F, freedom is found in God. This is the first sermon this month. The only place to find real freedom, real transformation, and most importantly, freedom from sin, death, and separation from God, the kind of freedom every human being needs, the freedom of having my sins forgiven, that's only found in God. It's only found particularly in Jesus Christ, his life, death, and resurrection. As we've been saying the whole time, you will never move forward in your life until you start with God. You won't see the change happen that needs to happen because you can't, you can't move forward until you start with God because you'll never turn into what God has called you to be unless you start with him. There are some of you in the room who need to start with God. You need to begin this year with God. Maybe it's as a renewal to say, I do know the Lord, but I have been choosing to not prioritize him. Or maybe for some of you, it is like, I need to turn to the Lord. And it would just be vain and useless to set a bunch of goals to try to change and be a better person this year if you don't have a relationship with Jesus. And so freedom's found in God. Super important. The second one, R. So how do I interact with God? How do I go to God? How do I find God? I have to repent from sin and run to God. So remember, I I can't just ask, very important, 
I can't just add God to my life. I have to turn from everything else and receive God as everything from my life. Right? The Christianity doesn't work by addition. It works by substitution. I don't add God. And I fear many of you maybe are in this thing where you say, well, I just add Christianity to how I want to live, you know, and I get Jesus too, and I get to go to heaven and all these things. And that's, that's not how it works. I don't just get to enjoy the love of God and add it to my life without repenting from my sin and turning to Jesus. Right? So that's very important. I have to turn from sin so that I can turn to God. And I cannot turn to God unless I turn from my sin. And so that's essential for some of you, maybe for the very first time, but for all of us, especially those of you who know Jesus, as a consistent practice of turning away from sin, repenting, and running to God and receiving his forgiveness. E, when I do these things, we talked about last week, I will experience transformation. Remember the big difference between change and transformation. Change is anything about your life can change, but transformation is when change leads in the direction for which you were created. You're only transformed when you become that which you were designed to be. And so the goal is not change. Change doesn't do anything. The goal is transformation. And God wants to give you that as we behold Christ. We talked about last week. Today, E, the final one. So what do I do now? How do I experience freedom on a regular basis? E, I need to engage with God in a daily process of transformation. So as we talked about, freedom happens all at once and over time. Freedom comes in a moment with God through supernatural breakthrough, through prayer, through worship, through the reading of the word of God, through obedience. And it also comes on a regular rhythm on a daily basis. We need to understand this and pursue both these things. Moments with God that radically transform our life and everyday moments with God that help us become more like him. That's how freedom interacts on a daily basis. So in light of that, We're going to talk about that. How do I engage with God on a daily basis of transformation? How do I move forward from this moment, from these 21 days, to keep growing in the Lord? And so the text is going to help us with that this morning. Here's what I want to do. I want to show you how it works, and then I'm going to show you three things that get in your way. Okay? How does does transformation work? And then what are three things that get in my way? So the first thing about transformation is it works by process. Here's something for you to write down and consider is that if I want to make progress, I have to trust the process. Okay? If I want to make progress, I have to trust the process. So the language of this particular scripture is process-oriented. What does it say? It says a couple of things like this. We talked about this a little bit last week. It says, are being transformed. We are being transformed. That's the process. It doesn't say have been transformed. It doesn't say will be transformed. It says are being transformed. So as we grow and as we interact with Jesus, we are being, it's a process. It's happening over time. And then the, the passage we're talking about today, this passage right here, it says from one degree of glory to another. So look at this. I mean, just the language of the passage teaches us that Christian growth is about process. I am being transformed. It is happening. And it's happening in degrees, from one degree of glory to another. And so just to help, I think this distinction is important, all right? So I looked up how do you define these words on, on, on the internet, just to make sure. So progress, which you guys know, is movement forwards, okay? To progress is to move forward. Now, a process is actionable steps I can take towards a desired end. So progress is just movement forward. But a a process are actionable steps I can take to a desired end. 
So you see what that means for us now is you can't make progress unless you implement a process. Now, this is where you have to move behind, and especially to, to my, my young people out there, you have to move way behind good vibes Christianity. Okay, wait, I'm a, I love vibes. You can ask the staff. I talk about vibes all the time. How does the vibe of the room feel? How, that matters. I think, I think vibes, I think that matters. But it's not everything. You can't count on good vibes to carry you into Christian transformation. You need to implement a process. You need to make choices. You need to have aims and goals. You need to take action items and have steps on a daily basis. You cannot make progress moving forward unless you implement a process, which are actionable steps that you need to take. To get movement, I gotta take steps forward. I gotta start dribbling, all right? I gotta get where I wanna go one dribble at a time. Now, just a reminder, what we want to grow into. Remember, <clears throat> taking steps forward doesn't mean I'm moving forward unless there's steps towards Jesus. So remember last week, we want to become the image or being transformed into the image of Christ. So the only way to experience real progress is to make part of my process actionable steps to become, to hear from, to listen to, and to copy and to imitate Jesus Christ. That is the process I need to take because that is the goal. If I'm trying to become, like we said, a better me, a better version of myself, all these other things, more successful, any of these things, that's not, that's not the goal. I'm not going to change in the way I want to. But if I try to become more like Jesus, then I'm going to experience transformation. You've got to make sure the goal is the right, the right place. So it's a process, one degree or another. Okay? It's like preheating an oven. All right? It just grows up. 250, 270, 300, 350. Now I can put the cookies in. All right? They're going to make cookies. You are, in, you are in process from one degree of glory to another. Another way I want you to think about this, it's like, it's like downloading a game, all right? So my kids, they have, this, they have this PlayStation. You put a new game in, like Madden. It's got to go in. It's got to download. So whenever you're downloading anything, you know, it does that little, uh, you know, the little, uh, I don't even know what you call it, the in infinite spiral, you know? It's just da 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 And it'll say 3%, you know? And sometimes, y'all seen this, where the initial thing, when you put it in, it'll say eight hours. It's going to take eight hours. But then in two minutes, it's changed to six hours, you know? And then another three minutes, it's changed to a one hour, you know? And it's moving much faster than you think it's going to move. I want to encourage you that that's often how it works in our life. Not only is, am I loading, I want you to think about your life as like God is downloading who you are supposed to be. He's forming it, creating it. It's happening. Sometimes it feels like it's eight hours away, 80 years away. But in actuality, when we let God do the work, it happens faster than we think. And so instead of being so discouraged that I'm so far from where I want to be, that's because you're focusing on where you are and where you'd like to be instead of focusing on the person who's changing you. And when you begin to put your focus on the one who can transform you, you instead of being discouraged, you become encouraged because you know he can move it along much faster and at greater rate than you can. We know he, you know he can bring about breakthrough that you can but remember, it's a matter of perspective. If this is how it's working, okay, if this is how the Christian life is working, say, I'm downloading, I'm, I'm being downloaded, I'm, the Lord is downloading Christ into my life, I'm becoming more like him percentage by percentage, degree by degree, 
then you can begin to manage the ups and downs of life, the, the, the growth and the lack of growth, the different things that happen. Because, listen, sometimes it's just what you tell yourself. So instead of being like, uh, I'm lacking, you need to change it to, no, 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 I'm not lacking, I'm loading. I'm loading. I'm not lacking something, I'm loading. Something is changing. Instead of saying, like, I'm stuck, that's what this looks like. I'm stuck. And you can tell yourself, I'm stuck. But when you begin to see things the way God sees them, you don't say, I'm stuck. You say, I'm going to see it through. I'm not stuck. This is happening. It's happening. If I've trusted in Jesus, it doesn't matter how much I'm messing up or whatever. If, I'm, if I've really legitimately trusted in Jesus, the Lord is loading. He's changing. He's transforming. So instead of being like, I'm so stuck, I'm so stuck. Man, the devil loves that language. He loves it. Say, yeah, just stay stuck. You can't get any better. You can't do any different. No, no, no. You got to preach back to yourself. Say, I'm not stuck. I'm seeing it through. I'm not lacking. I'm loading. I'm not wasting. I'm waiting. I begin to have the right perspective on what's happening in my life so that I can keep taking steps forward, so I can keep dribbling, so that I can keep going. One of the, the greatest things the devil wants to do is just to get you to give up. And so how does this work? Transformation is a process. You have to play the long game. It's as simple as this. It may have started overnight, but it will be completed over time. It may have started overnight, and if you've trusted in Jesus, that was a moment in time that radically changed you forever. It started in a moment, but it will be completed over time. You will become like Jesus over time. You will get victory over certain sins over time. You will become more what you are supposed to be over time. You will grow less anxious over time. You will grab more authority over time. You will understand the word better over time. You'll be able to kick that habit better over time. These things are happening over time. And it doesn't mean I settle for something less than the best. The Bible says, be holy as I am holy. So I'm always pursuing I'm never saying, oh, it's okay to keep doing that, but to manage the reality of your life to say, this is happening over time. And I am joining God in a consistent process, degree by degree. The idea is like, I'm trending up and, and, and I could trend up and to the right, you know, every business, everything up and to the right. That's good. You go up and to the right. But what the Christian life is like is you go up and you, and you, you know, but you're still going, you're, you're trending the right way, but you may have some bumps along the way. And when you recognize that these bumps are a part of the journey upward, then I can begin to continue to press on with Jesus. I don't have to let it knock me out. I don't have to let it discourage me. I don't have to let it lie to me. I can believe that because of what Jesus is doing in my life, Philippians 1, 6 says that he will finish that which he started in me. Because I have that confidence, I can manage the ups and downs because I know in Jesus Christ, my life is trending up and to the right. And if I continue to press on and follow him, then I can become aware of his love and reality and patience in my life. It's a process. If I want to make progress, I have to trust the process. I have to implement actionable steps. Now, some of these are obvious. I need to be more consistent with reading the scriptures. I have to hear from God. How can I become like Jesus if I don't talk to him or hear from him? I got to learn to pray, even if it's little by little. Stop saying I'm going to start praying for an hour and learn to pray for five minutes. Stop trying to, I was just sharing this with the, with the leaders. It's like sometimes you try to bench 250 when you haven't made it to 100 yet. 
you die. Like you can't bench 250. You have to bench 100, then 105, 110, 120. You make steps to become that which you want to be. And some of us in our zeal take on larger uh, goals than we have the spiritual capacity to accomplish. And then we become discouraged because we can't do it. Of course you can't fast for a day. You can't fast for a lunch. Why are you so discouraged you can't make it a day? Like, learn to give up lunch for once. Of course you can't sit quietly and read your Bible for 30 minutes. All you know is a devotional app where there's one verse and you read it for two minutes. You've got to take steps, okay? Dribbles. Learn to dribble. And this is the good thing. God loves you. He's patient with you. God's not like, well, I wish you were better than you are. You're like, I wish you'd get it together faster. I'm so disappointed you can't bench 250. You're weak. Why can't you fast for 40 days like Jesus? What's wrong with you? How dare you not read the Bible every day? You're a reject. No. This is what we do. This is what we, we feed ourselves these kind of things. And then we try, whoa, we try to, we try to, we try to like, the, we try like to jump from one side of the court to the other. And then we're disappointed we can't do that. And we just, well, and then what do we do? Well, what do we do? Well, it's not worth trying anymore. It's too hard. It's too burdensome. God expects too much of me. We start to feed ourselves these lies. These lies lead to actionable steps the other way. I begin to choose a process that leads me away from transformation just because I've believed lies. I want to encourage you in your next steps, wherever you're at in life, is to take actionable, realistic steps that you can grow in over time. So it's a process. Now, what gets in the way of moving forward? Well, first, a science lesson, because I am a scientist, is uh, there's a reality called friction, okay? And friction keeps objects from moving forward, all right? Friction gets in the way. I watch some YouTube videos about friction. I am a on the friction campaign right now, I understand. So friction is a force, you know, that keeps items or objects from continuing their journey forward. So it's like recently when I'm probably sure many of you experienced this, I took my kids out sledding and there would be some places where the snow was worn down and it became grass, you know, and you'd be going okay, then you'd hit the grass and you know, and you wouldn't go very far anymore. Or there were some places when the snow was still uh, puffy and fluffy. And that actually is not very conducive for moving very fast. But there were some places where the snow had been smushed into ice. And it was just a straight ice all the way down. Those are the places where people get hurt, okay? And people start flying around. But those are the fun places. Why? Because it lacks friction. Because there's not patches of grass or fluffs of snow. It's smushed snow that has turned into ice Overnight, people have kept going over it over and over again. It's the lack of friction that allows the sled to gain momentum as it moves forward. And I want to show you now some spiritual principles behind that to help you avoid friction in your spiritual life that prevents you from gaining momentum. So my prayer is that you would gain momentum over time. And my goal now is to help you understand points of friction that might get in the way. So that's the process. What gets in the way of me moving forward? So three points of friction. The first is feelings. Feelings is a point of friction for you moving forward. I say this all the time. It's important. Feelings are bad leaders. 
just bad leaders. Do I feel like doing it is the worst decision-making question you could ask. Do I feel like it? No, you don't. You don't. Let me just go ahead and let you know ahead of time. I already know the answer to that question. Because if you ask the question, it means you don't. Because if you felt like doing it, you wouldn't ask the question, do I feel like doing this? It means you don't. As soon as you ask that question, you're dead. You've lost. So don't do that. Do I feel like doing it is the most irrelevant question in the history of humanity. Does it matter? In a nice way, it's like, don't care what your feelings are about this. Now, obviously we'll talk about how feelings are good feelings towards God are a necessary part of being a real Christian. You cannot always choose duty and obligation and discipline. The Bible says the greatest command isn't that you would obey the Lord with all your heart, which is important. It's that you would love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So your feelings do matter. But I talk about that a lot. So today I'm talking about how they don't, okay? So if you're confused, just listen to the rest of my sermons, all right? But I got to focus on this one thing today. Okay, here's something for you to consider and write down. Is that feelings often create friction, but faith creates freedom. So feelings create friction. Faith always creates freedom. So feelings lead us often to giving up or giving in or slowing down or missing out or waiting too long and so on. This is what feelings do. Feelings make you procrastinate. Feelings make you think it's not worth it anymore. Feelings make you think, well, it's not doing anything. But faith tells you an opposite story. Feelings make you want to give up. Faith gives you the strength to stick with it. Feelings make you consider nothing is happening. The eyes of faith tell you everything is happening. You need to begin, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 9, to walk by faith. Because here's, here's the reality of your life and my life. The problem with sticking with any process is this, and this is something for you to write down because you got to remember this, is that often change is unnoticeable by the day, but unmistakable by the year. You say, it's hard, you know, it's so hard to stick with it. It's hard to stick with your Bible reading plan. It's hard to stick with your diet. It's hard to stick with your budget. It's hard to stick with the processes that you know you want to implement in your life. And part of the reason for that is because we don't see change like we would like to. It's as simple, though, as like kids growing up. You know, I don't notice a big change in my kid's life when they go to bed every day. I don't wake up and think, well, you look taller today. But when I think about them last year, it's like, wow, you're a different person, you know? You've changed so much. You're not only taller and bigger, you're just, your personality is growing. Like, it's unmistakable. This is why you say, like, when you see a kid you haven't seen in a while, wow, you've gotten so big, you know? And you rub their little cheeks. Wow, look how cute and big you are, you know? Because it's unmistakable. When someone is growing up, Change might be unnoticeable by the day, but it's unmistakable by the year. And the same is true for your spiritual growth. You might not feel less anxious today. You might not feel more pure today. You might not feel more in love with God today. You might not experience great breakthrough today. But if you stick with the process, your change will be unmistakable in a year. In five years, in ten years. This is why I love having old saints in the room here at this church. They've had time. They've been cooking. Been cooking. At least hopefully so, okay? My experience with many of 
the, the, the elders in the room is you've been cooking. And I praise God for you as an evidence of the fact that growth in Christ is unmistakable over time. It's unmistakable over time. Because your feelings will say nothing's changing, but your faith says everything is transforming inside of me. An obvious analogy is this. No one who wants to start working out can judge the value of the workout by how you look today. Imagine you said, okay, I'm going to get a six-pack for the summer. You wake up and you do 100 push-ups today. You go look, 100 sit-ups today. You go look in the mirror and you say, man, where's the six-pack? I'm so disappointed. How is this ever going to work, you know? You'd say, that's foolish. You need to do that tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day and the next day and the next day. And over time, you're going to start seeing some results. Because here's the reality of, of transformation is results don't appear immediately, but they are guaranteed because something is happening underneath the surface. You know? When you're working out, your body is changing underneath. Things are being broken down and built up underneath. There's something happening underneath that no one else can see yet, that maybe you can't even feel yet. You know, the irony of beginning to work out is that you get sore before you get strong. And maybe some of us aren't used to that feeling as a Christian. I've been reading the Bible, and I feel more bored. I've been trying to do this, and I feel more anxious. Well, maybe you're just getting sore before you get strong. Maybe you just got to stick with something. Maybe God is doing something underneath the surface. And you can't see your six-pack today, but if you kept doing it in a year, you'd start seeing it. Maybe at least one or two. You'd see something. Make you feel a little better. The same is true in your spiritual life. You can't read your Bible in the morning and automatically be disappointed if you don't feel like a saint in the evening. Or like, why hasn't God done this? Or why doesn't it feel different like that? Okay? God is doing something underneath the surface. You can't see it. It may even hurt and be painful. But it is producing transformation that if you stick with it, will be unmistakable over time. Feelings are awful leaders, but faith will lead you to make great decisions. My encouragement to you is that you would walk by faith and not your feelings. One of the main feelings that gets in our way, just to be honest, as we're following Jesus sometimes, is the feeling of boredom. If you were to be honest, you love God. You say, sometimes I feel bored. I, I get tired of doing the same old things, same old things. Say so there are parts of the Bible that are hard for me to understand. It's hard to read. I get bored. I try to pray. I know I'm supposed to pray. And after two minutes, I'm thinking about ice cream. You know, I'm bored. It's just difficult. I'm feeling bored. You know, staying out late and sleeping in sounds more fun than getting up and going to church. Temptation sounds fun. Denying myself does not sound fun. Sounds not fun. Sounds the opposite of fun. I sound I'm bored doing the same old things, especially if I'm not experiencing the results I'd like to experience. Well, I want to encourage you this morning, once of all, that although I do think, for the most part, it's probably sinful in all of us that that's true, that we get bored with God, he's very kind and gracious, and it's a normal Christian experience. So don't, you know, just give up when those things happen. 
The Bible knows this, and Paul says this. Uh, it's so important for you to recognize the beauty of doing the same things. But before I quote Paul, I'm going to quote someone not as important as Paul. Uh, his name was Craig Rochelle, and he says this. I like this phrase. He says, successful people do consistently what others do occasionally. So the idea being that if I want to be successful, I got to do some, the same things over time. And if I do it consistently, I will experience success. Other people do this occasionally, and they don't grow at the same rate. Now, that's really great wisdom, but the Bible is the word of God, and it's more authoritative. And I'm going to back this up now with Paul. In the Bible, Philippians 3.1, Paul says, Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me, and it is safe for you. Say, Paul, give me something new. And he says, no, 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 no. I'm going to write the same things to you because it's safe. And the idea is if you would stick with the same things, you would grow amazingly. You need to stick with the same things. Sometimes our trouble is our appetite for new things keep us from loving the same old things. But some of the things you need to understand about life is that the longer you're around something, the more impact it has on you. All right, a simple principle of this is sunburn. If you're out at the beach and you're at the sun longer, it affects your skin more over time. You sit out there long enough, you know, you become the person with the red face, you know, and, the, and the, you can't see the, 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 like the, the sunglass tan, you know. You say, why? Because the longer I was out in the sun, the more it affected my body. It was time. And this is true in your Christian life as well. The longer you are with Christ, the more it will have an impact on your life. But you got to give it time, you know. This will be the cheesiest thing I ever said. You need some sunburn. S-O-N, you know. Now you got it. Y'all didn't even get it the first time. Wow. Jesus, Jew. Need some sunburn. Let's make a shirt like that. Sunburn, yeah. Give it some time. You know, uh, if you stuck with reading the word of God, even when you didn't feel like it, surprise, surprise, six months from now, you'd like it more than you did at first. You'd understand it more. But, oh, this makes a little bit more sense. You'd enjoy it a little bit more. Your appetite changes. If you choose to eat the right things, you may not like that at first, but over time, you begin to like it. Your appetite changes. So I'm encouraging you to stick with the same things, prayer, scripture reading, coming to church, serving your community, obeying the commands of God, being with other believers, sticking with the same things over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. Instead of playing like retreat Christianity where I just go and I get a high once, it lasts a couple weeks, and then I need to wait for the fall when another retreat comes up. No, 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 no. I just stick to the same things. And sometimes in God's great mercy to me, I have a mountaintop experience with God sitting at my table alone with my Bible. Those are moments no one can take from me. I open the Bible, I say I don't feel it, but I remember. I remember when God met me in a place like this. That's enough for me to try again and to keep letting the Lord speak to me. Another thing I want to let you know is the idea that Christianity is boring is the dumbest thing anyone could ever think in the world. I hate this idea, and I just want to kill it with all my might. One of my favorite verses, Psalm 1611, you know, says, In your presence is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Like the essential reality of Christianity is that it makes you the happiest person in the world. Even in suffering. It doesn't take away the suffering. It doesn't make it easy. Gives you something in it. The idea that the Christian, one of the, one of the things, that I, I say this with kindness, 
But I just want to let you know, if your Christian life is boring, it's because you're not living it right. You're not actually living the life God has called you to live. The Christian life involves a relationship with the living God, the most beautiful, wonderful person in the world. You can speak to him, he will speak to you. The Christian life involves taking risk, living on the edge, being adventurous, getting rejected by people, having awkward conversations, going on missions, doing difficult things, giving more than you can afford, experiencing the presence of God in worship and experiencing the presence of God on the street as you try to serve others. The Christian life involves building close relationships with people, not facade relationships because we stop pretending that we're not what we are. We begin to be honest. We begin to accept one another as sinners just like each other. It builds a community that is unavailable anywhere else in the world. It provides excitement that is unavailable anywhere else in the world. It provides love and joy and peace and purpose that you cannot find anywhere else in the world. And though there may be seasons where I struggle with feeling bored, the overall tenor of my life should be following Jesus is the greatest thing ever. And I may struggle, I'm a human, but the tenor, the general gist should be as nothing more exciting than following Jesus. If you're bored, you got it wrong. You got it wrong. Ain't nobody been better to me than experiencing the presence of God. Nothing beats the presence of God. Those of you who know, you know, you know, if you know, you know, to say, I've got lots of great people in my life who I love with all my heart, but nothing beats the presence of God. Nothing. I got lots of people who I can receive wisdom from in my life, but nothing beats the leadership of the scriptures. I got lots of things I could do with my life, but nothing beats living on the edge for the glory of Jesus and the advancement of the kingdom and the saving of souls. You want to have something fun to live for? Start sharing the gospel. Come alive. Christianity is not boring. That's a cuss word for Christianity. Don't use it. Okay. I spent way more time on that section than I was supposed to. Okay. That's what happens when you have like a bullet point and you just go on a rant. All right. Okay. Number two. So the the second friction point is your focus. I'm going to run through this pretty quickly here. Your focus. So feelings is a friction point. Don't live by your feelings, live by faith. Your focus is a friction point. And what do I mean by that? Here's a a couple areas which this goes wrong. One is when your focus is on relying on a past decision or worrying about future outcomes. So your focus becomes relying on a past decision. Something I did before, something I said before, something I committed to before, a moment I had with God before. Relying on a past decision or the other way, worrying about future outcomes. Will this really produce the change I would like it to see? How hard is this road going to be? What is it going to look like in the future? Is God going to meet this need like I wish he would? If I do this, is it gonna do that? And if I do this, is it gonna do that? And when you take your focus and you put it on the past and you put it on the future, you can't act right in the present. You need to put your focus once again on the present. God does this all the time. He teaches us to do this. Philippians 3 is so important for this. Listen to the way Paul talks. Philippians 3, 7 and 8. He says, whatever gain I had, I, read that word, counted, E-D, past, as lost for the sake of Christ. So Paul's saying, I have made a decision before to follow Jesus in a particular way. Verse 8, indeed, I, what's the word? Count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. So we all need to have a time where we've counted 
and trusted in Jesus, and then we all need to live every day counting the cost. We need to count today everything as loss. We need to reaffirm in our lives what the value of Jesus and the purpose of my life is today. I cannot rely on something I thought yesterday or a decision I made five years ago. Today is the day to rejoice and be glad. I will follow Jesus today. I need to count today. I can only make decisions today. I need to count today the reality of my life. I need to count today how sin is destructive. I need to remember that. I need to count today how valuable the presence of God is. I need to count all of this again today. When my focus is on the past and my focus is on the future, I can't live right in the present. Man, this is so important for your life. God teaches us this over time. Matthew 6, the Lord's Prayer, he says, give us this day our daily bread. He doesn't say give me tomorrow's bread. He doesn't say thank you for yesterday's bread. And those are fine things. It's not, not bad to say that. But the, the priority is give us today my daily bread. James 4 teaches us, he says, you don't even know what tomorrow will bring. He says, why are you saying you're going to go do this and do that? He says, you don't even know. Your life is a vapor. You need to therefore make decisions for today. One of my favorite parts of this is when, when the Israelites disobeyed God and they didn't go in the promised land, they were wandering around the desert for 40 years. God would feed them with manna from the heavens. He would send it down. But the irony is, every night it would spoil. You know what? For 40 years, they would receive man in the morning, and they couldn't save it. They couldn't hold. You couldn't keep leftovers for lunch the next day. They had to go to bed at night. The manna would be spoiled and gone. They had to wake up in the morning and receive a new mercy from God. What was God teaching them for 40 years? Day by day. Trusting in the mercy of God day by day. Choosing to follow Jesus again day by day. Dribbling. Just dribbling. Taking one dribble and the next. And if I keep dribbling, I'm going to get to where I want to be. Day by day. Put your focus on that. Another misplaced focus is when we rely on self instead of God. When I focus on myself and my ability to change, remember this passage, it says, this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. That's verse 18. You know, you could say it's an inside job. God is working on the inside. It comes from the Lord. It doesn't come from you. It doesn't come from your own discipline or power. It comes from God's supernatural ability by the Holy Spirit to take your two fish and five loaves, your little thing, and multiply it to be a big thing. It doesn't come from the Lord. It comes from you. And here's what I want you to know about this is that God is the one who's responsible for the outcome. Your job is just to participate. So in a sense, following Jesus, being a Christian, is the greatest participation trophy anyone has ever gotten. All you have to do is participate. Hebrews 12 tells us that we look to Jesus, the author of our faith, author and perfecter of our faith, the one who started it and the one who will finish it. We look to Jesus as the one who does it all, And it says, so that we can let go of every weight and sin that hinders us and run the race marked out for us. He doesn't say we get disciplined. No, he says we look to Jesus, who's the beginner and the finisher of our faith, who's the one working inside of us, who saved us, who died on the cross and rose from the dead, who promised to always be with us. We look to him, and with eyes fixed on him, we run. 
We participate. Here's what you need to understand. I want you to let go of the burden of being great, and I want you to enjoy the blessing of getting to participate. Let go of the burden of being great, trying to be great. Let God get the glory and just enjoy getting to participate. Let me tell you now, you're not the one who gets the game-winning shot in your life. Jesus is the one who wins the game, and you're a role player. You might not even get to get in the way that you'd like to get in, but you get the same results that Jesus does for what he did that you can't do. You may not think you're the strongest. You may not think you're the best, that you have all these greatest gifts to give. It doesn't matter what role you play because there's only one person that can win the game. And the rest of us are equal participants in enjoying watching God work. So instead of hope, oh, home, oh, oh, woe is me. Well, I can't do this and I can't do that. I'm not as good at this. This person looks da 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 Get rid of that language in your life and just follow Jesus. Play the role he's asked you to play. It may not feel great. It may not look great. But Matthew 6 says your father who sees in secret will reward you. Play your role. Play your role. You don't need praise from men. You get praise from God. Play your role. You don't need honor from men. You get honor from God. Play your role. It's not about you. It's about God. Play your role. And there's freedom in that. It's such a burden to try to be great. You and I can't be God. How ridiculous is that to try to maintain that role? To try to get the glory, to try to be the person, to try to make it, to try to blah, 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 and just receive, just enjoy getting to be on the team. God has called you to be on his team, not because you earned it or because you were good at, but because he loves you. And he knows that when he gets you on his team, he's going to turn you into the player he wants you to be. He's the best coach ever. Just let him coach you. Let him take the game-winning shot. Enjoy the fact that you get to be on the team. You get the spoils. You get the rewards. And God does the majority of the work. It's a group project, and he's the main person getting the job done. He's like, whoa, I get, I get heaven? And what I do is mess up a lot, you know? It's a pretty good deal. Thank you, Jesus. So take the focus off yourself and put it on, on the Lord. Okay, the last one here is failure. And I want to have the band go ahead and come up. We're going to respond to God now. Here's the third one, failure. Feelings, focus, and failure. The greatest hindrance coming your way is that you will mess up you will fail. You will not be disciplined. You will not love what you want to love. You will not make the decision that you wish you had made. You will regret. You will fail. You cannot be surprised when that happens. I want to encourage you this morning that if you fail, God is there to pick you back up again. Proverbs 24, 16 says this, though the righteous falls seven times, they rise again. Here's my encouragement to you as you continue on with your life is don't give up, get up. Just that don't give up, get up. You will fail. That is undeniable. I will fail. But what you do afterwards will determine what's next. So my encouragement to you as we close today is that you need to get back up. God loves you. You need to get back up. God forgives you. You need to get back up. God is still with you. The Bible says he will never leave you nor forsake you. You need to get back up. God is still there to help you. You need to get back up. God will strengthen you to do better the next time. You need to get back up. God will give you another chance. Get back up because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Get back up because you are no longer a slave to test to sin. Get back up because you are more than a conqueror in Jesus Christ. You need to get back up because nothing can separate you from the love of God. Though you fall seven times and 77 times and 107 times, the gospel is good news every time. So get back up. Get back up. Get back up.
Get back up. Get back up. Get back up. So I want you to close your eyes now as we respond to the Lord. What I'm going to do as we close is one, once again, just offer the altar to you and a prayer team. If the prayer team can come down front, I'm going to offer the altar to you and just say, do you want to really see transformation? You want to dribble your way out of here well? You want God to, to be with you and to help you? You want to leave some things or get prayer? Please, please use your body to complete what God is doing in your spirit to further it along. Get the prayer that you need. Kneel before the Lord. Bring everything he's been teaching you these 21 days and lay it at his feet. And I want to read, this is in your booklet. I'm just going to read it over you now. It's called the Freedom Creed. I'm going to end the series with this. Freedom is a fact, not a feeling. I am free because of what Christ has done for me. This is true eternally, even though sometimes it's difficult to see experientially. I can be free. I can live in the reality of what God has done for me. God is working in me so I can become who he made me to be. Yes, God is working in me, but I also must use my energy. I have a role to play in who I want to be. So I turn from my own ways, they are folly. And I turn to God and his ways because that's what's best for me. Victory comes from intimacy. What I will be is determined by what I see. If I look at God, I will become more godly. Freedom is given all at once, but change happens daily by degree. It may seem small and slow, but it's really great and full of glory. Little by little, step by step, glory to glory, I am not who I was, but I am moving towards what God has made me to be. This is my story because of God's great love for me. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we respond to you now. I pray, Lord, that we would receive these things as true in our lives, that we would turn to you and receive freedom, some for the very first time, and that in this moment, Lord, this moment in time, you would mark us, you would free us, you would set us on a trajectory of progress. You would provide the encouragement and the conviction needed. We thank you for the gospel and the good news of your great love for us. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.